Welcome to Zichud Avsi Manim, I'm Rabbi Abram Golder, and today we're in Masech Rishkalim, Daf Yedzayin, the sixth parak, Shoshasar Shofaros. So the three topics we're going to focus on, number one, the next Mishnah identified one of the 13 temple gates, where people would prostrate themselves as the Shar Hamayim, the water gate. The Tanakhama says it was called the Shar Hamayim because through it, they would bring the flask of Nisa Hamayim during Sukkot. But Yazub and Yaakov says, Bo Hamayim through it, the waters trickle, and are destined to issue forth from beneath the threshold of the house, referring to the Kosh Kedoshim. The Gemara provides a lengthy description of the stream and brings a description from Savior Echezko where the Navi is shown a vision of the stream, indicating that 1,000 Amos from the base of Migdash, the stream will become ankle deep. At 2,000 Amos, it will be knee deep. At 3,000 Amos, it will be waist deep. And beyond that, it will be a raging river that the Navi cannot cross and not even a large ship could cross. The Malvin suggests that the water symbolizes the flow of Torah knowledge and Amunah that is destined to flow from the base of Migdash in the future. Point number two, the Gemara brings the following incident regarding the destruction of the base of Migdash. When Nebuchadnezzar came to Eretz Yisrael, he stationed himself in Antioch, and the Sanhedrin came out to greet him and asked him if the time arrived for the base of Migdash to be destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar asked him to summon Yehoiachin Melch Yehuda, and when Yehoiachin heard this, he took the keys to the base of Migdash and went up to the roof of the Heichel and said to Rosh Baruch Hu, Shalom, in the past we were faithful to you and your keys were given over to us. Now that we're not faithful, your keys are hereby returned to you. According to one Amor Zarkan Yardu, he threw them up to the heavens and they have not come down. Whereas according to another Amor, the likeness of a hand emerged from Shemaim, which took the keys from his hand. When all the noblemen of Yehuda saw this, they went up to their rooftops, jumped off, and died. Point number three, the next mission teaches that among the 13 Shulchanos in the base of Migdash, there was a marble Shulchan where they would place the Lechem upon him when it was brought in, and a gold Shulchan for the breads that were taken out, Shemayin Mokodesh Velomarin, for we ascend in Meretz Kedusha and do not descend. And of course there was the golden Shulchan in the Heichel upon which the Lechem Pani would lay continually. The Gemara brings up Raisa that the first Shulchan was made of silver, not marble, it was said in the name of Yochanan, that our Mishnah holds that it was not a Shulchan of silver, with Neshu Martich, because silver heats up, and that which is placed on it causes the bread to spoil. Even though one of the ten Nisim in the base of Migdash was that the bread never spoiled, Rabbi Yishub and Levi says, Ein maskirin maisen Nisim, no proof may be cited from miracles, meaning that we do not rely upon a nase. So once again, the three points are number one, the next Mishnah identified one of the thirteen temple gates, where people would prostrate themselves as the Shar Hamayim, the water gate. The Tanakhama says it was called the Shar Maim, because through it they would bring the flask of Nisuk Hamayim during Sukkot. Rabbi Yosef Yaakov says, Bo Hamayim through it, the waters trickle, and are destined to issue forth from beneath the threshold of the house, referring to the Kosh Kodashim. The Gemara provides a lengthy description of the stream and brings a description from a Sefer Yechezkel, where the Navi is shown a vision of the stream, indicating that 1,000 Amos from the base of Migdash, the stream will become ankle-deep, at 2,000 Amos will be knee-deep, and at 3,000 Amos will be waist-deep, and beyond that will be a raging river that the Navi cannot cross, and not even a large ship could cross. The Malbin suggests the water symbolizes the flow of Torah knowledge that is destined to flow from the base of Migdash in the future. Point number two, the Gemara brings the following incident regarding the destruction of the base of Migdash. When Nebuchadnezzar came to Eretz Yisrael, he stationed himself in Antioch, and the Sanhedrin came out to greet him and asked him if the time arrived for the base of Migdash to be destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar asked him to summon Yehoiachim Melch Yehuda, and when Yehoiachim heard this, he took the keys to the base of Migdash and went up to the roof of the Heichel and said to Rosh Baruch Hu, Shalom, in the past we were faithful to you, and your keys were given over to us, now that we're not faithful, your keys are hereby returned to you. According to one Amor, Zarkan Vo'odul Yardu, he threw them up to Shemaim, and they have not come down. Whereas according to another Amor, the likeness of a hand emerged from Shemaim, which took the keys from his hand. When all the noblemen of Yehuda saw this, they went up to their rooftops, jumped off, and died. 
And point number three, the next Mishnah teaches that among the 13 Shulchanos in the base of Migdash, there was a marble Shulchan where they would place the Lechem upon him when it was brought in, and a gold Shulchan for the Reds that were taken out. For we ascend matters of Kedusha and do not descend. There was the golden Shulchan in the Heichel upon which the Lechem upon him would lay continually. The Gemara brings up Raisa that the first Shulchan was made of silver, not marble. It was said in the name of Yochanan that Armishnah holds that it was not a shulchan of silver with Neshu Martiak because silver heats up that which is placed on it and causes the bread to spoil. Even though one of the ten Nisim in the base of Migdash was that the bread never spoiled, Yeshu ben Levi says, Ein maskirin maisen Nisim. No proof may be cited from miracles, meaning that we may not rely upon a nase. Alright, so now we go to our sim for Daf Yud Zayin, and our standard simon is used cars or used car salesman, Yud Zayin. So here goes. The used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from the temple's inner sanctum threw their keys away in despair, and they landed on top of marble and gold tables full of warm bread. Once again, it's slow motion. The used car salesman, used car salesman, that must be run off Yud Zion. The used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum, which reminds us that the next mission identified one of the 13 temple gates where people would prostrate themselves as the Shar HaMaim, the water gate. The Tanakhama says it was called the Shar HaMaim because through it they would bring the flask of Nisa HaMaim during Sukkot. Rebbe Yezab and Yaakov says, Bohamayim through it, the waters trickle, Vasinu yos yotzi mitachas mifsan habayis, and are destined to issue forth from beneath the threshold of the house, referring to the Kosh Kadashim. The Gemara brings a description from Savior Cheska where the Navi shown a vision of the stream, getting deeper and deeper until it becomes a raging river that the Navi cannot cross and not even a large ship could cross. The Malbin suggests the water symbolizes the flow of Torah knowledge and faith that is destined to flow from the base of Migdash in the future. So the used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum threw their keys away in despair, which reminds us, when Yehoiachim Malkihuda heard that Nebuchadnezzar had summoned him, he took the keys of the base of Migdash and went up to the roof of the Heichel and said to Gajbaruchu, Rebbonu Sholem, in the past we were faithful to you and your keys were given over to us. Now they were not faithful, your keys are hereby returned to you. According to one Amora, Zarkin Ba'od Yardu, he threw them up to Shemaim and they have not come down. Whereas according to another Amora, the likeness of a hand emerged from Shemaim, which took the keys from his hand. When all the noblemen of Yehuda saw this, they went up to the rooftops, jumped off, and died. So the used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum, threw their keys away in despair, and they landed on top of marble and gold tables full of warm bread. Which reminds us, the next mission teaches that among the 13 shulchanos in the base of Midrash, there was a marble shulchan where they placed the lechem upon him when it was brought in, and a gold shulchan for the breads who were taken out, shemalim b'kodesh v'lomoridin, for we ascend in matters kedusha and we do not descend. There was also the golden shulchan in the heichel upon which the lechem upon him would lay continually. The more brings a price that the first shulchan was made of silver, not marble, but it was said in the name of Rabbi Yochan that our Mishnah holds that it was not a shulchan of silver, because silver heats up that which is placed on it and causes the bread to spoil, even though one of the ten nisim in the base of Migdash was that the bread never spoiled. Rabbi Shubin Levi says, No proof may be cited for miracles, meaning that we may not rely upon a nase. So once again, the used car salesman who saw his lot of used cars get carried away in a raging stream that emanated from a temple's inner sanctum threw their keys away in despair, and they landed on top of marble and gold tables full of warm bread. All right, now it's time for four blabak chazora, and this chazora will include daf yud alf, yud beis, and then skip to daf tezvav and tezayin. So here goes. Daf Yudolf. So the simon is stars. So here goes. The fancy new Para Aduma Bridge covered in gold stars. Gold stars? That must be more on Duff Yudolf. 
The fancy new Para Aduma bridge covered in gold stars, which reminds the Mishan Dav Yerama based taught the opinion of Abu Shul that the Kalanim Gadolim built the ramp to transport the Para Aduma using their own money. Rebbe said, There was a great haughtiness among the Kalanim Gadolim, for they would needlessly spend more than 60 gold talents on the ramp's construction. For the ramp of the preceding Paraduma would still be standing, and yet the present Kohen Gadol would never bring his own Paraduma on the ramp built by his predecessor. Rabbi Ua refuted this before Rabbi Manu bringing a price to the taught that Shimon Sadik brought two Paradumas during his term, and he even made a new ramp for the second one. Now, is it possible that Shimon Sadik was so pompous that he refused to use a ramp that he himself built? Rather, his reason for building the ramps was to set a higher standard for purity for Paraduma service and to show honor for the mitzvah of the Paraduma. So the fancy new Para Aduma bridge covered in gold stars, and next to the gold star marketplace where Kanim sold wine, oil, and flour, always for a profit, which reminds the Mishnah had taught the Rabbi Shmuel held that the surplus of the Anyushkan could be used to buy wine, oil, and fine flour, which Hektish would subsequently resell, and the profits would accrue to the base of Migdash. Rabbi Kiva disagreed as he held that one may not profit with that which belongs to Hektish or from funds collected for the poor. The Tikkun Chatan explains that in the case where the investment failed, there would be a loss the Hektish. The Gemara on this stuff clarifies that even Rabbi Akiva agrees that if one stipulates that any losses would accrue to him and any profits would accrue to Hektish, then doing business with Hektish funds is permitted. The Gemara brings a story that illustrates that the same principle applies to funds collected for the poor. So the fancy new Para Aduma bridge covered in gold stars and next to the gold star marketplace where Ghanim sold wine, oil, and flour always for a profit, was built by temple artisans who used chulun materials and who were paid with leftover deconsecrated katoris, which reminds us, the mission stated that the leftover katoris was redeemed upon the wages of the temple artisans. And the Gemara asked, based on the fact that the money used to pay the artisans itself was hektish, but if so, does it not come out that hektish was deconsecrated upon another hektish object? The Tikkun Chatan explains that one can only redeem onto an object that is chulun. Rabbi Shimbar Bisna answered that the temple trustee brings the Hegdish money for the artisans and redeems the money upon the structure that they built. Since newly built temple structures are generally constructed from Chulun, the structure serves to redeem the money. He then brings the leftover Katoris and redeems it upon the money, and they give the newly redeemed Katoris to the artisans as their wages. Because the money of the artisans was redeemed before it was used to redeem the Katoris, it's not a case of Hegdish, Meschala or Hegdish. So once again, the fancy new Para Aduma bridge covered in gold stars and next to the gold star marketplace where Kohanim sold wine, oil, and flour always for a profit was built by temple artisans who used chulun materials and who were paid with leftover deconsecrated katoras. The feud base for the simon is 12 brothers. So here goes. The 12 brothers, 12 brothers, that must mean we're on Duff Yud base. The twelve brothers who were maktish their possessions, including their male and female animals, without a specific intent, which reminds us of the Machokas in the next mission, a case when someone is maktish's possessions without specifying whether they're for the Mizbech or for the Betakabais, and among them were animals suitable for the Mizbech, where we as hold stam hektish or Betakabais, that when someone is maktish without stating his intention, the consecration is assumed to be for temple upkeep, therefore the male should be sold for the needs of all offerings, and the female should be sold for the needs of Shlamim, and their proceeds should go together with the rest of possessions for the upkeep of the base of Migdash. Rabbi Yeshua says the males themselves should be offered as olos, and the female should be sold for the needs of Shlamim offerings, and with their proceeds, one should bring olos, and the rest of the possessions should fall to Betakabais. The Tikkun Chatan explains, Rabbi Yeshua holds that some hektish of an animal fit for the Mizbech is assumed to be for the Mizbech. Therefore, the animals are male, they should be brought as olos. He also holds that the person's intent was to offer them in their entirety as olos. Therefore, female animals which cannot be brought as olos, are sold and the proceeds are used to purchase olos. 
So the twelve brothers who were Maktish in possessions, including their male and female animals, without a specific intent, were disheartened when they saw the animals sold to others as offerings with the proceeds going to Bedeka Bais, which reminds Rabbi Yochanan said that the basis for Abelez's ruling, that even animals consecrated without specification to have their proceeds go for Bedeka Bais, comes from the Parsha of Redemptions. The Pasuk says, V'ishki Yaktish is based on Kodesh Hashem. And if a man consecrates his house to be holy to Hashem, the Kohen shall evaluate it. Beso, his house, cannot be referring to a dwelling place because the dwelling place is written in the next Pasuk. The Makdish Yigal is Beso, if the consecrator will redeem his house. Rather, we're dealing in the Pasuk with the one who is Makdish's property, meaning his possessions. And the Pasuk then states, Kodesh Hashem, holy to Hashem. From here we derive that unspecified consecrations are for the upkeep of the temple. So the twelve brothers who were Maktish in possessions, including their male and female animals, without a specific intent, were disheartened when they saw the animals sold to others as offerings, with the proceeds going to Bedeka Bayez. But they thought they were endowed with the Kedusha of Olos. Which reminds us the source for Rabbi Yeshua, who rules that non-specific consecration of animals fit for an Izbech, endows them. With the Kedusha of Olos is from the Pasuk State, speaks to Aaron and sons and to Abinesha and say to them, any man of the house of Israel who will bring his offering to Hashem as an Ola. This teaches all animals, which are a type that can be offered upon the Mizbech, are brought as Olos, unless otherwise specified. The next Pasuk states, to be favorable to you, it must be an unblemished male. Now one might think that this applies only to males. The Pasuk therefore states, Babaka from the cattle, in order to include females. The Tikkun Chatan explains that both male and female animals are called cattle. So once again, the twelve brothers who were Maktish their possessions, including their male and female animals, without a specific intent, were disheartened when they saw the animals sold to others as offerings with the proceeds going to Bedeka Bayez, when they thought they were endowed with the Kedusha of Olos. Dov Tezvav, so the symbol for Dov Tezvav is a fruit bowl. So here goes. The unassuming fruit bowl, fruit bowl, that must be on Dov Tezvav, too, to Bishvat. The unassuming fruit bowl where people would give and take tzedakah discreetly, which reminds the next mission discusses the Lushka's Choshain, the chamber of the discreet, where sin-fearing people would deposit donations into it discreetly and anim from aristocratic families would sustain themselves from it discreetly. And the Gemara illustrates the importance of tzedakah performed discreetly. Rabbi Yonah said the Pasuk and him does not write Ashrei Nosen Ladal, praise be he who gives to the needy, rather it's written Ashrei Maskil Eldal, praise be he who contemplates the needy. This refers to one who looks at a mitzvah to see how to best perform it so that it should not be demeaning to the poor person. When Rabbi Yonah would see a poor person from an aristocratic family who lost his estate, he would say to him, my son, since I heard that you have a Yerusha coming to you and you'll soon be out of your financial difficulties, take this money now and you'll repay me when you receive your Yerusha. After the Ani took the money, he would then tell him he's giving to him as a gift. And the Tikkun Chadun explains that when Rabbi Yonah told the Ani, that he will repay, he meant that one day the Ani will repay the favor by helping out another Ani, and that Ani might be Rabbi Yonah's descendant, since poverty is a cyclical phenomena. So the unassuming fruit bowl, where people would give and take tzedakah discreetly, was always next to the bed of the tzaddik, who suffered afflictions for being slow to give. Which reminds the Gemara brings the story of Nachim Ishgamzu, who didn't give immediately to an Ani who had boils. Upon his return, he found the man dead, and facing the corpse, he said, May my eyes that did not prompt me to help you go blind, may my hands that did not stretch out to give you be cut off, and may my legs that did not run to give you be broken. After all these calamities happened to him, Rabbi Kiva visited him and expressed his dismay in seeing him in such a state. Nachim replied, Woe is me if I don't see you one day in such a state. Rabbi Kiva asked him why he was cursing him. Nachim responded, Why are you spurning afflictions? Afflictions are precious, and they atone for one's sins. So the unassuming fruit bowl, where people would give and take tzedakah discreetly, was always next to the bed of the tzaddik, who suffered afflictions for being slow to give, and where a holy chest was buried deep, 
beneath him. Which reminds the opening mission of the sixth parak mentions a tradition that the arn was hidden under the dira eitzim, the wood chamber where wood is kept to be burned on the mizbech. The Tikkun Chadin explains that Yoshiel Melch hid it towards the end of Bais Rishon. The Gemara brings a bright that teaches the name of Rebelezer that the arn went into exile with them to Bavel. Rebuda ben Lakish said the arn was hidden in its place, referring to a secret underground chamber that Shlomo Melch had built under the Kodesh Kadoshim. So once again, the unassuming fruit bowl, where people would give and take tzedakah discreetly, was always next to the bed of the tzaddik who suffered afflictions for being slow to give, and where a holy chest was buried deep beneath him. Daf Tezayin, so the simmer Daf Tezayin is toes. So here goes. The crowds were standing on their tippy toes. Tippy toes, that must be on Daf Tezayin. The crowds were standing on their tippy toes trying to capture a glimpse of the king being anointed from a horn of oil by a spring. Which reminds the Gemara brings several halachas pertaining to the anointing of kings. We anoint kings only by a spring, which symbolizes his reign will endure since the spring issues from underground in an endless flow. We do not anoint a king who is the son of a king except on account of a dispute, such as in the case of Shlomo Melch, because of his dispute with Adoniyahu. We anoint kings only from a horn of oil. A horn is durable and represents an enduring reign. And we do not anoint kings who are Kohanim, as it says in the Pasuk, well, Yasu Shevim and Yehuda, the scepter shall not depart from Yehuda. So the crowds were standing on their tippy toes trying to capture a glimpse of the king being anointed from a horn of oil by a spring, who's holding two tablets for the forty commandments written on each one, which reminds the Gemara asks, How were the aluchos written? And brings four opinions. Either there were five dibros on each tablet, or there were ten on each tablet, or twenty on each tablet, with ten on each side, or forty on each tablet, which one or more says means twenty on each side, and another says ten on all four sides. So the crowds were standing on their tippy toes trying to capture a glimpse of the king being anointed from a horn of oil by a spring, who was holding two tablets with forty commandments written on each one that were ablaze in fire. Which reminds Rabbi Pinchas said in the name of Mishman Lakish, a Torah and Baruch Hu and Moshe, the Torah that Akush Baruch Hu gave to Moshe, Eish It was given to him as white fire inscribed on black fire. He Eish Eish It referring to the Torah it was fire. Mixed with fire, hewn from fire, and given from fire. And this is what it's written, Miminu Lamo. From his right hand, he presented the fire of the Torah to them. Alright, now it's time to conclude the pop quiz, and this quiz will feature 15 questions. Here goes. Number one. Which stuff do you want that Yechezkel had a vision on the stream trickling from the base of Migdash, growing in to a raging river in the future? That's on Duff. Yudzain. Good. Number two. Which stuff do you want halachas for anointing a king, such as anointing him by a spring and using a horn of oil? That's on Duff. Tezai. Good. Number three. Which stuff do we have two different opinions regarding the source of Moshe Bain's wealth? That's on Duff. Yudal. Good. Number four. Which stuff do you want that the temple artisans were paid from the leftover Taurus? That's on Duff. Yudal. Good. Number five. Which stuff do you want that Yehoyachin Melch Yehuda threw the keys to the base of Mikdash up to Shemaim since Bnei Yisrael were no longer faithful to Kosh Baruch Hu? That's on Duff. Yudzayin. Good number six. Which stuff do you want between Rabbi Yisrael and Yeshua when one is Makdish Stam his possessions, whether the animals are meant for Betikabais or endowed with the Kedusha of Olos? That's on Duff. Yudbeis. Good number seven. Which stuff do you want that Rabbi Kiva agrees that one can do business? With hektish funds provided that one takes the losses and hektish takes the profits. That's on Duff. Yudolf. Good number eight. Which of the one the Kohanim Gadolim built ramps for the Paraduma? That's on Duff. Yudolf. Good number nine. Which of the one that the Torah given to Moshe Rabbeinu was white fire on black fire? That's on Duff. 
Tazayin. Good number 10. Which I think one of the reason why Beis Garmu did not want to share their craft from making the Lachem Panim so that it shouldn't come into the hands of Avodah Zorah, that's on Duff. Yadalad. Good number 11. Which stuff you learn the story of Nachem Ishkamzu? That's on Duff. Tezvav. Good number 12. Which stuff you learn the Pesachia Zemordechai and he was responsible for the Kinim? That's on Duff. Yud Gimel. Good number 13. Which stuff you learn three different opinions regarding the Aron's location? That's on Duff. Tezvav. Good number 14. Which stuff you regarding how many Dibros were written on each of the Luchos? That's on Duff. Tezain. Good. And number 15. Which of you in Rabbi Yoni teaches the importance of being discreet and giving Sadaka from the Pasuk Ashrei Maskil El Dal? That's on Duff. Tezvav. Excellent. Right. That concludes the pop quiz. This is Rabbi Evangel Zichu wishing you a great day and great learning.